This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? This week, we're discussing The Lost Boys. Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. <laughs> and I'm your flamboyantly foolish host, Harvey. Oh, nice. Uh, and this week we're talking about the Joel Schumacher, you know, 80s classic, The Lost Boys. Um, this movie, I really didn't discover it, per se, until like my adulthood. I didn't really watch this movie growing up. Um, I grew up in <clears throat> probably like the late nineties and most of the aughts, those were my like, you know, teen years and all that stuff. So, um, I, I discovered this around the time that vampires were coming right back into vogue. Right. Thanks to, I'm, I'm going to say it twilight twilight came out in 08 and mm-hmm. people were suddenly super into vampires or teenage vampires. Right. I mean, I'm not mad about it because it gave me the very criminally underrated Fright Night remake with uh, Anton Yelchin and Colin Farrell. <laughs> it, I mean, you know, Twilight's also going to give us our new Batman. So, okay, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that complains about, you know, that. I mean, movie it just wasn't for series. me. Like, yeah. like Twilight was just not made. I wasn't a part. It of It was the super. Ride. Like, people yeah. don't think about that movie now, but it was such a big deal back in you know like who, 08 to you like know who 2012. You know who didn't think about it and was in it was Anna Kendrick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you see that tweet where she like it was from years ago where she's like, Holy shit, I was in Twilight. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's pretty crazy. But basically, you know, you had stuff like Vampire Diaries, um, True Blood, the show on HBO, and then all of a sudden, like I started seeing people talk a lot about the Lost Boys as kind of like you know, the early sexy teenage vampire movie. And I even heard people talk about this other 1980s movie, which I have never watched, uh, called Once Bitten, which stars Jim Carrey. It was one of his early movies where Jim Carrey, like, apparently is dealing with, like, a one-night stand that he had with someone who we find out later is a vampire. (laughs) All of it allegories for STD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's something weird about how much vampires are actually used as, like, a stand-in for, like, stuff that's passed on during sex. Well, another another one, another movie that came around around this time that I discovered it. And yes, I know it's an 80s movies and we're talking about the late aughts and we're talking about Twilight and we're talking about all this other stuff. But, you know, I wasn't around in the mid 80s. So my experience with this movie is not from the 1980s, despite the fact that I appreciate the 80s aesthetic that comes with it. But the other thing that came out around this time um, that I discovered the Lost Boys 
was let the right one in and then it's american remake let me in by future batman director as well matt reeves so and i think those movies are fucking fantastic like those are those are probably the high art of this kind of like young vampire subgenre and i still need to watch it the 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 let the right one in because i have the shutter subscription and it's sitting there in my watch list, and I'm just like, I'll get to it eventually. We okay, how about it. this? We're after later in the summer, we're gonna do that movie for this podcast because I've yes. seen the American version, I've never watched the original Swedish version, mm-hmm. and I hear that it's better. So <gasps> I would love to see it. I can't wait to hear, you know, the swedish chef talk about vampires for two hours <laughs> um so this movie is directed by Sh- joel there's so much batman in this my god joel schumacher know, who try to contain yourself over <laughs> joel schumacher who you know this is the second movie of his that we've reviewed on this show because we did batman forever last year uh which hands down i think is still one of like my favorite episodes of the show that we've done so the day that we choose to commemorate his life we pick the worst movie he's made and we don't pick the best one we wait a year (laughs) later to review the best one he's made well this one is shockingly you came up with the idea to do it and i actually have loved ever since i've watched lost boys for the first time 10 12 years ago i've loved that movie ever since so I, I don't know why it's never crossed my mind to have us do it on this show. And it really was your idea to do it. So I think it's very, it's probably the best way to start. You know, what's your experience with the Lost Boys? Well, you see, my experience with the Lost Boys is I was scrolling around my HBO Max and, you know, with all the titles they have, I just thought to myself, hmm, what can I do to get us money from HBO? <laughs> So I'm like, let me give this very shameless plug for them real quick. No, but uh, like, re- like the reality was, I don't have much of an experience with Lost Boys, like other than it being one of those movies that, like, my sister was super into. Because again, my my sister being a child of the '80s, she she's the one that got me into like this weird, like, fun horror like kind of like kid I, I don't know i don't know like i don't know if i would call the lost boys kid friendly but it's one of those movies where it's not necessarily completely terrifying um like it, it was made as a horror movie but as an afterthought like whether it was this or whether it was like you know i kind of i put i put the lost boys in this weird category where it's like this the monster squad gremlins like these types of movies where it's like they're supposed to be horror but there's like so much more going on in it that's like i don't know there's like a weird appeal to them uh but anyway i don't want to get too off track but yeah like my 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 main my main um experience with the lost boys was like a lot of it was for my sister trying to watch it as a kid but i always psyched myself out because i was like no this is a vampire movie it's gonna be scary and so i never really finished it and it would always be like on like vh1 it would always be on bravo it would be like on the all these other movies like edited and i never actually like for some reason i never actually sat down and could watch the entire movie so part of the reason why i did want to do the movie for the podcast is because i saw it was on hbo max that part i wasn't joking about and i was like oh well 
no i'm gonna you know what this is it finally i want to do it like this is a great this is a great movie to put on the podcast it's something that has a cult following like no it's time for me to sit my ass down and finally be able to actually pay attention and watch this movie um so yeah that and you know now we're here (laughs) for me this movie kind of falls more than anything it falls into the 80s teen movie category for me because guys like you know Corey feldman and Corey haim i have seen other movies that they've been in Again, I'm not a child of the 80s, so I was not in tune with the Corys. But I did watch other stuff that Kiefer Sutherland did at this time. Um, it's funny that there's a lot of crossover with different movies here. Because so Corey Feldman was mm-hmm. in Goonies, yes. uh, which is a Richard Donner movie, I think. Um, and so this movie was supposed to be directed by Richard Donner at one point, and they kind of wanted to make it in vampire goonies. And that's part of the reason why Corey Feldman was brought into this like production. Right. Um, and it was Joel Schumacher's idea. I think once he was brought onto the project to turn it into what quote unquote, what he called the sexy vampire movie, which was to get older kids and uh, I don't know. It's just like that that leads it into a different direction. So, yes, you could probably say kid friendly horror because stuff like Goonies and Monster Squad, like you were saying. But then it's like when you decide to cast these older actors, it does feel more like a teen movie or a, a bit more of like the teen melodrama like category, you know, especially since, um, you know, two of the actors in this movie, Corey Feldman and Kiefer Sutherland are also in the Stephen King, in the adaptation of the Stephen King story, uh, Stand By Me, which is also an awesome 80s movie. And in both of those movies, Kiefer Sutherland is like the, really the dangerous villain teenager character. <laughs> so he, Yeah, he's like the psychopath in that one, right? Yeah, he's the... He's the um he's the murderous greaser <laughs> which is like an archetype of stephen king the stuff uh oh, in, that, in that movie don't get me started on stephen king archetypes we can do an entire episode <laughs> <laughs> but um the other thing that i really appreciate about this movie and i'm kind of excited that we get to talk about it again Early in the podcast we did a review on the Jordan Peele movie us right and one of the things that we thought was super cool about us is the fact that it was filmed in santa cruz at the beach boardwalk and basically that the entire movie takes place in santa cruz this movie similarly the entire almost the entire movie with the exception of a few scenes that are shot in la most of it is filmed in santa cruz california and what's really neat about it is again for you know much like when we talked about us Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk is a place that you and I have frequented many times in our lives because of its short proximity to us, right? It's two hours away. It's uh, by like, the last time I even went to Santa Cruz was like less than two years ago because my sister-in-law actually goes to the University of Santa Cruz, right? Or UC Santa Cruz, that's her school. And Mm -hmm. we were helping her move into her dorm pre-COVID, you know, after we helped her moved in, we spent the rest of the day at the boardwalk. So it's mm-hmm. been, it, it, I've been to this place very recently and it's really cool how in movies, it's like the city kind of changes. Santa Cruz changes, but the boardwalk is one of those places that 
doesn't it like it doesn't change as much as you would think it looks pretty similar now than it did in like the mid 80s the boardwalk is such an interesting like timeless magical zone in santa cruz because it's like one part of santa cruz is the school so you have the college town and then you have downtown where it's like all the nice stuff is and then of course you got the boardwalk which is right by the beach and it's very picturesque looking but then if you go like you know, if you go up maybe a five minute drive up the hills and then you get into the rich area, but then if you take five minute drive down the flats, you go into Meth Town, USA. So oh, spoiler <laughs> alert, if you go to Santa Cruz today, everything is the rich is the rich neighborhood. You know, it is one of those places that like the cost of living has just ballooned to such except, a high level. Except for the part of Santa Cruz get literally a skid row from LA in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're pretty much all like all the people that use drugs have been pushed to well and that's the thing one of the things i like about the opening of this movie is it looks it like shows you all the different people and all the different walks of life of people who like live in santa cruz and that's it's pretty accurate you know mm-hmm. maybe even to now it's like a lot of people now, a lot of beach bum types you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Latin, there's a Latin community there because we're everywhere in the Bay Area. And mm-hmm. then there's like, you know, there's a lot of college students because it is the college town. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's one of these really unique places. And because this movie mostly takes place on the boardwalk, it, to me, it has such a timeless quality to it. Mm hmm. So uh, even though this is we're talking about a movie where, you know, we can't really relate to what was going on at the time, we'll always have some sort of relation to it because it's just it's a place that we know. So in this movie, the town of Santa Cruz is actually called Santa Carla. And um, I know that you wanted to talk about this to some extent, but Santa Cruz really did at one point have the reputation for being the murder capital. <laughs> of, and it was because there was two active serial killers. Uh, it, you know who operated in that city like from the, either the 70s 60s 70s from 1970 1973 ed camper uh who if i remember correctly is the co-ed killer i think that's his his nickname yes um, this is, I, uh, you know i unfortunately did not dive into the true crime kind of like aspect of this so i will assume and just please don't yell at us if we're wrong here yeah i'm sure that well i mean (laughs) i mean there's a lot of uh, obviously there's a million podcasts that will talk about these uh killers to an extent that it will satisfy you that unfortunately you will not get that satisfaction on this show (laughs) i mean actually if you guys want to check out a podcast that was doing it i believe it the the title of this episode was uh murdersville uh, Murdersville, USA, the serial killers of Santa Cruz, and that was actually by the Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. Um, real quick, like thirty-minute little biopic, or, or you know, little slice of the three main killers that kind of started the whole uh, murder capital of the world uh, nickname or the Murdersville nickname for Santa Cruz. But it all started with this dude by the name of Ugh, why am I blanking on his name? Real quick, John Lindley Frazier um he it was actually his um like fam or his like quadruple murder that started 
um the the like the string of killings that would pretty much take place over the next three years in santa cruz which i believe it's like 28 28 bodies over three years and in that time like ed kemper was there in santa cruz um then there was who was the other famous guy herbert mullen much less known um i think ed kemper was kind of the one that really like had a lot more notoriety going on but it's actually really interesting if you guys want to look into it. Uh, highly recommend it, checking it out. It's just such a bizarre time in this little, like, quiet town. Because, you know, people tend to think Santa Cruz and you just assume, oh, yeah, this is like a nice beach town. Like, it hang loose. Like, it's just nice and chill beach vibes. And it's like, no, you know, for three years, people in, in, that, in that city lived in constant fear of serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> which is something no one would ever expect especially now if you were to go to uh, santa cruz and see what it's like so obviously yeah check out any other show that covers it a lot more i would love to go into into in depth about it but you know we're here for fake murderers also known as the lost boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so the movie uh so it's mainly these two brothers right michael and sam who you know, are moving with their mother uh, to Santa Carla. Um, it, this is post a divorce, it appears, right? And um, they are moving in now with their grandfather who lives in Santa Carla. And to them, it's probably a place that they visited at some point in their lives. But they feel like, these feel like SoCal kids, do they not? <laughs> they feel definitely not from, like, Bay Area, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah I can see yeah. SoCal. I can see um i think at one point um not michael sam says that they're from mesa or i think they're from somewhere in arizona oh okay okay yep that's probably right i it could be way off on that but they definitely aren't from here and uh you know the kind of weirdness of the city is so well like played you know they're first they're like looking for the radio station they can't really find it this feels like a boring place to them where they don't really want to go because they're not really familiar with it and then you get the welcome to santa carla sign that they drive by as they're entering the city and behind the sign you see murder capital of the world and Mm. that's where we get really i love the opening credits to this movie it's it's a it's a cover uh, by a group called Echo and the Bunny Men. Uh, it's a cover of the Doors song, People Are Strange. And it's really, this really is one of my favorite like opening credits to a movie ever. <laughs> because it shows like the city. Song. Huh? Like it's such a spooky song and it plays well because it like, you know, the, the, the entire, like, you know, the lyrics are people are strange, yada, yada. I don't want to, mm-hmm. I have a terrible singing voice. I'm going to fuck it up. No, <laughs> but, and you know, nor but, should we sing it because it's copywritten as well. <laughs> no, we can sing copyrighted material. We just can't play it. All right. Well, actually, that's how you, that's how some podcasts get around using copyrighted material. So, right. well, please don't sing it. Shut up. I'm now I want to. <laughs> 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 But it's one of those things where it's like as the as the credits are rolling and you're listening to the song, like it really permeates kind of like a dread, like mm-hmm. this like feeling of dread of not being able to trust anybody and not know really knowing what's going on. It really plays on the whole theme of like not everything in this town is what it seems, right? Because as you go around, you see a bunch of missing posters with young people on them, 
Well, I mean, technically a bunch of people on them, not just young. Like, you know, they focused on the ones with kids, but it's really a bunch of missing people in this town. Um, there's like the scene where there's like the part in the credits where uh, Michael's asking random strangers, like, hey, where can I get a job? Or is there work in town? And the guy was like, hey, nothing illegal. <laughs> or, or nothing legal, I mean. Um, you know, it's really implying that even though this town looks very quiet and quaint, there's like a secret, like there's an underbelly to it. There's something going on just under the surface. Right. Um, which I think is great. It really sets the tone and it, you know, kind of tells you what you're going to be dealing with the rest of the film. So, uh, you know, the, I, I guess their last name is Emerson. So both of these like brothers, uh, it starts with them. They, they, they like go say hi to their grandpa, drop their stuff off at the house that they're living at. And immediately they'll be at the boardwalk, which is where we spend most of this movie, right? Yeah, the grandpa wants nothing to do with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what's one of the wonderful things I like about seeing Santa Cruz on film, specifically the beach boardwalk, what? is the two movies that we've reviewed that like take place in this location. They They do a really good job of capturing the boardwalk and they also like do a really good job of like seamlessly adding places that don't exist <laughs> to it. You know, in us, we had like the house of mirrors that mm-hmm. I thought was just awesome. Like I was just like, God, I was like, this, I wish this existed. It was so, it's so cool. And the other one is the comic book shop where the frog brothers, uh, you know, are, I guess their family shop. Um, it is a shop that exists in Santa Cruz, but it's not on the boardwalk. It's it, it, but the way they shot it makes it look like it's on the boardwalk. So for the purposes of the movie, it's right where everything else is. But in mm-hmm. real life, it's not actually it's not actually at that location. But this movie does just like a really good job of making the boardwalk feel like where everything is. <laughs> yeah, it makes it feel like that's like the main hub, and everything that goes on goes on around there. Yeah. And and the boardwalk really is like one of those places where everybody goes, because for those of you who don't know, you know, uh, one of the reasons why I loved going there as like a teenager and like as a younger person with limited income is that <laughs> boardwalk is one of those few places. That there's no ent- there's no admission fee, right? Like mm-hmm. like you can you pay for parking when you go there and it's very packed every single weekend, especially every when the summer time. goes. So mm-hmm. it's like a total freaking nightmare to get there. But, you know, you don't have to pay, you know, uh, to get inside. You can take your picnic stuff if you want to go sit on the beach and, and bring your food with you. So you don't have to pay like the ridiculous food prices. Oh, like yeah. it is it is one of those places where you could legit just go to hang out and you don't even have to touch any of the rides or anything else. So the fact that it is the hub for this town in this movie, it's actually pretty cool because it, it it's boardwalk is one of the few things that like I will travel to Santa Cruz for. <laughs> besides. And literally do nothing other than just sit on the beach. Like it's yeah, just no kidding. <laughs> like it's really interesting how I guess because in the bay we don't have many places like that. So I mean, it's like it's 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 the beaches that are around are just not you know they're not they really suck. where you want to be. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> You know, I I love San Francisco, and I re- have childhood memories of going to somewhere like Ocean Beach, but mm-hmm. you do not want to be there. <laughs> yeah, this is like the closest thing to what people think of when they think of a California beach, like in yeah. this area. 
Thanks, so. Lost Boys. You kind of paint an entire country's perception of our, of our state. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, uh, you know, one of the things that we, one of the things that they've also added to this place is there's also this stage, you know, which they do have performances at at, at the boardwalk. It is that mm-hmm. is very regular that happens. In Shut up movie, and get to the sexy sax man, you uh, fool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this movie, we are watching the sexy saxophone guy. In case you were wondering, <laughs> oh, when do I know this is a Joel Schumacher movie? here it is baby boy here it is well you know what i legit you know this is a joel schumacher movie based on how the characters are dressed and like if you go back because if you go back to like something like that came even later in the 90s like in batman forever the way that they dress you know chris o'donnell who plays robin in that he looks like he belongs in Lost Boys. Oh, <laughs> so. yeah. He looks like he should be hanging out with David and his little... Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 definitely, you know, it is the outfits. It, which, I guess, like, Joel Schumacher got his start in Hollywood as a costume designer. So, mm-hmm. it does make sense that the way people are dressed is exactly how you recognize people from his movie. But this greased-up saxophone player, which sax, I guess, was pretty big in 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 the eighties in in like songs, like you hear it in power ballads and stuff like that. Uh, careless whisper, <laughs> baby. Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely funny. Like it's just funny in that it's weird. <laughs> but but like you know, it's so normal to the characters in the movie that like you know, once I get over the initial kind of giggles over it, it's mm-hmm. I get over it. But this is where we. This is where Michael for the first time sees star who is a girl that catches attention played by jamie gertz who okay you know i, I, need I look to, <laughs> i need to drop before before you go into how how much of a banging hottie jamie gertz is <laughs> i need to i need to it's been sitting in my brain for like years and finally i have an outlet for this stupid piece of trivia in 2004 i think it was 2004 jamie gertz was in a in a uh what's it called a uh, sitcom, a CBS sitcom called Still Standing with her husband in the show, played by Mark Addy, <laughs> who you might know as Robert Baratheon from Game of Thrones. <laughs> so if you didn't know there was going to be a Game of Thrones reference in this fucking episode, there you go. Anyway, Mark Addy got his start in a shitty sitcom for like two or four years or whatever the shit. But it's been so weird, like watching um watching Game of Thrones, seeing Robert Baratheon and be like, wait, that's the dad from Still Standing, and no one knows nobody what I'm thi- about. Nobody thinks that <laughs> no fucking body watches that and thinks of exactly. Still Standing. Exactly. Same way Except that no one me. will watch Jamie Gertz in this and think of Still Standing. Even exactly. Though- it's stupid. <laughs> I'm the only person that this is just for me, and I needed it to get out because I need more people to watch still standing so i don't feel like i made it up i feel like at this point it's something it's just in my head that i've made up and i don't like that feeling <laughs> all right very well there are dozens of us dozens <laughs> of still standing fans. all right still standing hive in full effect here <laughs> all right back to jamie gertz being a you know total babe all right so jamie gertz wasn't the original choice for this character uh originally up, joel schumacher wanted a blonde actress to portray him to portray this character but 
funny enough, and I don't know why I think of this, but it's kind of like you know one of the other 80s teen movies that I like, even though it has nothing to do with the with the novel that it's based on. Lesson Zero. Jamie Gertz is in that as well and plays one of like the really attractive LA girls. And the funny thing about that is like much like I guess what Joel Schumacher's idea was is like all the characters are supposed to be like blonde characters like in Lesson Zero. So Jamie Gertz is so hot that like directors decide not to hire blonde actresses to play <laughs> to play what? to have, to replace her as characters. What episode did you mention that in? I remember this is the second time you brought up Less Than Zero. Oh, I know I brought it up more than once. I can't think of where else I brought it up. But I think Less Than Zero might be your new go-to now that once we like... (laughs) It's not a (laughs) go-to. It's not a go-to and I don't want to oversell it. I do not (laughs) want to oversell it as something that's... Is that what you're doing? Is this going to be like the new uh, Last Jedi where you're going to oversell it and then we're going to review it? And it's gonna no, be I'm not overselling it at all. What I am going to oversell is, is another movie. But anyway, back to this. All right. So <laughs> I feel like this is like the review where we've talked about the actual movie, The Lease, and we're talking about other nonsense the most. But yeah, we're making it. We're making good time. We're, we're already <laughs> past Sexy Sex, man, because after this is when, um, what was it? Uh, this Michael when... Follow Star. Yeah, and Michael Follow Star. When he finally catches up to her, that's where we run into this sexy motorcycle vampire gang led by uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character. Who talks like Dave David. Chappelle's impression of Prince? <laughs> Hello, yeah. Michael. Uh, well, yeah, he, I, I guess that's just maybe it's a director choice. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, or maybe it's maybe the fa- maybe they stuck fangs inside his mouth because he does really talk weird in this. <laughs> he does like, but don't get me wrong, I like it. I think it oh, actually yeah. fits the character and it fits what they're going. It's just, I don't know. I think vampires just are supposed to make you uncomfortable, and Kiefer Sutherland makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know how old Michael and David and all these other vampires are supposed to be in this movie because all of them ride motorcycles. And this is totally an 80s movie because everyone rides motorcycles without helmets in this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No one gives a shit. Yeah. They can't look sexy if they're wearing motorcycle helmets. So, mm-hmm. you know, head injuries. Let's go for it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sam gets to meet edgar and ellen frog the self-proclaimed vampire hunters of santa carla as well as i guess they it's their family's comic book shop they're working at it is yeah yeah it would have to be because they're very clearly under 16 and california law states you cannot you cannot work uh if you're under 16 unless it's a family business this is the 80s baby no one gives a shit <laughs> <laughs> no and they do i think they they make they they make mention of it several times that it's their parents comic book shop mm-hmm. i love the frog brothers they're probably oh. my favorite characters in this movie um it's so 100%. weird because Corey feldman is like all right so Corey feldman was told by director joel schumacher that he should like watch Stallone <laughs> and that should be his inspiration. Like Rambo, basically that Rambo makes... should be his inspiration for playing this character. That and it's what is so much sense. Yeah. And it feels like what a kid, it feels like kids method acting to me <laughs> because it's definitely like, you know, he's putting on like a kind of like act when he's, when he's talking in this, 
but you know you buy it for this character anyway because it just it fits the tone of the movie it's one of those things where it's like it's not supposed to be too scary it's not supposed to be too serious it's just serious enough but then there's also just like this kind of goofy like ridiculousness and all of it (laughs) in the way that he talks that absolutely fits in this it's so like it's just really good i think that's a good way of putting it is one of these movies it's a it's a weird it's not exactly a horror comedy it's like it's not meant to be completely funny right it's not gonna it's not meant to be so funny it's not scary mm-hmm. um but then it's like i don't know it's super weird to kind of nail down what exactly the 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 vibe of this movie is other than fun mm-hmm. i think it's just meant to be a fun like horror movie you know like horror inspired movie um and definitely yeah you got definitely feldman has to be like he has to shine in this movie because holy shit between his line delivery and i'm glad you did mention that because i've been like this guy's doing stallone right like that's the only (laughs) thing you can't it couldn't possibly be it's like he fucking steals the show as far as i'm concerned between him and Kiefer sutherland man oh man so yeah like they get we get a couple scenes or we you know we get an exchange between the frog brothers and sam where they're discussing kind of like where where sam's from after sam inquires about a really hard to get batman comic um and then of course like you know (laughs) i I think i was watching uh, the nostalgia critic and he was talking about how in this scene the way the kids talk is pretty much how nerds wish the real world worked (laughs) and that's how people actually talk in real life because it's just like a bunch of nerds correcting each other and nerding out about like superman and batman and dc heroes uh but pretty much this is where uh the the frog brothers leave sam with a copy of like a copy and a warning about uh, vampires in Santa Carla leaving uh, leaving him with a comic explaining what vampires are how to fight them things like that um, which then takes us back to uh, Michael and Star or like you were saying how they meet with David who pretty much like pushes Michael um, Michael into a motorcycle not race like at first he you know like michael tells david that there if it's a race there's no way his bike can keep uh you know can can beat uh david's bike right which david responds you don't have to beat me you just have to keep up yeah it's 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 being it's them being chased like he's basically saying yeah just keep up with us and because at first you think the relationship between them is going to be adversarial like in nature and it kind of always is throughout the movie but it's like you think it's going to be like the movies leading up to them fighting each other and it really just starts with you know them kind of fighting over a a girl or it looks like that's what it's going to be about and then all of a sudden then it's just david trying to bring michael into a cult is what it feels like for for the rest of it and um the only way i can describe the relationship between michael and david is fight me or fuck me but just get (laughs) just do it already (laughs) Well, you know, the fact that vampires are, you know, they're, they're not, they're not binary. They're sexual creatures. So it's like, there's not that much difference between wanting to fuck you and wanting to kill you. (laughs) Yeah, there isn't. And that's what it feels like this entire time. Like as I, as I watched the opening and I watched like the first quarter of the movie or third of the movie, I was like, especially when they're in, uh, you know, when they get up to the, uh, to like the vampire hideaway, um, like, 
when the when David and his gang are just like they're hanging out in that resort that apparently had fallen um that underground area and then uh David or Michael and Star are with them like just the way that like David is messing with Michael is very I don't know it's really hard to describe it's like one part bullying but one part flirtation <laughs> like it's like there's this weird dance between these two where it's like and I think it's like you were saying, it's because David is trying to turn him into a vampire, trying to turn him into, uh, you know, get him to join the group. Um, but it's like, I don't know, it, it, it's, re- it's really it's really funny how that uh, how that dynamic works between those two. I mean, I think it works. I think it works for the film. Um, but yeah, like we were mentioning, you know, down in the resort, some of the mind games that David starts playing with Michael uh, includes kind of like casting illusions which uh, i assume they're illusions because they're still vampires um like changing the the chinese food that michael's eating to maggots uh and worms and then eventually this ends with david giving michael a bottle of wine or what he assumes is wine which turns out to be which david reveals is to is his blood and that if he drinks it, Michael will become like David and the rest of his gang. Right. Except in this movie, they a lot of it is first you become a half vampire. And then once you kill someone, you know, once you do your first kill, that's when you become a full vampire. Now, I'm I'm a huge fan of like hard stuff. But personally, when it comes to vampire stuff, I'm not a huge stickler for the rules. And I'm glad that this movie was able to establish its own rules. And most importantly, it was just consistent with it, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, this movie is about vampires, but there's other stuff going on. Like, you know, it's really about like this group of guys that are trying to bring this other kid in, right? (laughs) This outsider in. Um, And then there's also just like the title itself, right? The fact the Lost Boys, like, the reason why this title exists is because the lost boys are from peter pan and uh once the lost boys like you know once they're with peter pan or you know much like peter pan it's like they they never grow up they basically are the same age forever and that's basically what these kids are trying to do with michael is come with us come you know be with us and and be the same age forever and uh star and then the other kid um who's with her you know, to have basically just have them all. And then it gets even more complicated than that later in the movie, but we can get into that in a little bit. Peter Pan, but a horror movie where Peter Pan is just stealing kids from families and Captain Hook is actually the hero. Kind of. Yeah. And and the original, the original concept for this movie, uh, when it was like the kids version and they were all like little kids, it was a lot more, the references to Peter Pan were a lot more overt in that. Mm-hmm. So, which I mean, I, I, it doesn't have to be super on the nose. It doesn't. No, yeah. but, but because it's got, it's got that much going on. It's like, you talk about, it, it's like not being a stickler for vampire lore. Neither mm-hmm. am I, you know, like, and, and we just talked about twilight when we first started this twilight disrespected a lot of vampire lore already <laughs> because of what they did and people moved on and continued to live life. So nothing in this will bother me. <laughs> I know, except for all the people that replaced the sense of humor with just Twilight jokes from the years of 2008 to 2012. Ugh. Yeah, let me just. I don't. 
I don't know what was worse, cringy internet motherfuckers from 08 to 12? Oh, uh, no, I, I don't want to get into early Twitter cringe humor because it is something that I just don't want to relive in my lifetime. <laughs> it's something I partake in to this day. <laughs> uh, so anyway, after Michael drinks the blood, uh, David and his group end up taking Michael out to a railroad bridge where they i don't know which this is one of the few scenes that apparently uh it's not shot in santa cruz so this does not exist in santa cruz there is something that kind of looks like it but it's not a train bridge (laughs) but it feels but again what i like about this movie and what i like about santa cruz on film is that because it is so a place lost in time and kind of central to the movies that are filmed there if you believe that these other weird places that they go to like off the beach and you know where these trains are like it feels like just this wonderland where you can go into all of them yeah like that's the thing about santa cruz it there's a lot going on and because of the like you i think like you said timeless is a really good way of describing it where you don't know if something's being filmed is if it takes place now in 2020 or if it takes place well 2021 or it takes place back in 1950s like it could go either way <laughs> but uh when, what i mean is i don't get what they were doing on the uh on the old train bridge like where they were just kind of like I, don't, I thought they were playing chicken but then it's like then they well, got to hold was, on. It was it was chicken, but it was also to show Michael that he could fly now, right? It basically showing him that he is now becoming a vampire. That the that is weirdest, what the purpose of that is. The weirdest reaction when, as he's falling, just being like, Aah! the like, flying <laughs> effects in this movie are awful. So let's. The, <laughs> I'm not gonna harp on it too much. <laughs> I am gonna harp on it. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> And what's going on with Michael and Sam's mom, you ask? Well, during this time, she was trying to get a job. She talked to Max, the video the video store owner you mentioned earlier, who apparently takes a real liking to, to Mrs. Crap, what's there? Emerson very quickly. Mm. Um, and pretty much, like, yeah, that's about, that's all she's been doing throughout this time. Yeah, I mean, she's a, she's a, she's a likable mother character, but it's like, I feel like she's obviously not the focus you know you know i'll say this about about how they handle mrs emerson and her relationship with the boys and i think it's really i think they they handle her in a very realistic light and i think that's what makes her like interesting enough like yeah like you said she's not the focus but she feels like she's from this place right like that's the weird thing is that she she's the only one of them that feels like she's from here and then even later when michael's talking to star he talks about like he alludes to the fact that his parents might have been hippies saying oh star he's like you know he's like if it was up to my parents my name would have been moonbeam or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she totally vibes with this town because you can so does grandpa by the way (laughs) oh yeah well grandpa wasn't you know he's from never left yeah (laughs) yeah talking about his double stuffed oreos and root beer and how you should never touch shit but yeah she's just like this lady that it feels like she's she's trying her best to be a mom she's trying her best to find out how to be single again like it feels like she's this lady that's trying to balance balance a bunch of stuff and that's why her kids are kind of like you know they're they she tries to be as involved as she can in her kid's life um so i, I don't know i think they i think they did a really good job fleshing out her character even though she's not in this movie as often as, because she's not the primary focus you know um 
So anyway, after Michael learns to fly, he ends up passing out and he wakes up the next day and is in the back at, back at home completely like oblivious how he got there. He just, you know, he's just wakes up and suddenly he's at home, but he starts realizing that he has like he's sensitive to the sunlight and he has like a hunger which I'm a, or a thirst if you will. <laughs> um which kind of leads him to attacking Sam later, uh, later on in the film. Sam, while Sam is bathing? <laughs> while Sam is taking a bubble bath? Sam is clearly like a teenager. <laughs> I don't understand why he is taking like... Like, my daughter doesn't even take this childish bubble bath. <laughs> it's like, what? He's like, what, 15? Maybe 14, 15? Like him and the Frog Brothers? It's really weird because there's an if you if you watch the Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think there's like a similar like weird shower scene in that where like where Ferris is like playing with his hair and it's like something that you wouldn't you don't think that a kid who's that age would be doing. <laughs> like it's it feels so- like it feels juvenile and it feels it look knowing what i know about Corey feldman and Corey haim and like the stuff that's happened to them like you know that Mm -hmm. they've been like the victim of like creepy hollywood perverts like you know later in their lives Mm -hmm. i'm not totally comfortable with the fact that you're basically ogling this kid like in this movie while he's in the bed yeah it is so awkward it's the one thing that like if you watch this with with the stranger it it, like they would just be like it's like it's weird it's 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 it would be like, do you want to keep watching this? Like, it's like are it's you sure? It's like, no, I promise it's going to get better. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, obviously both of us watch pro wrestling and there's a lot of questionable stuff that happens in pro wrestling, right? It's like one of those pro wrestling moments where someone else walks in on you watching it and they're like, you really like this stuff? That's what this feels like. God, I can't imagine trying to explain crazy shit from the 90s as a pro wrestling fan. Anyway, I digress. I digress. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's just a little one of those weird, uncomfortable 80s trends that totally happen in other movies. And you're just like, why? Why? What well, is the also the this? creepy, like, <laughs> the uh, Rob Lowe poster <laughs> that literally... Yeah! Why the fuck would he have the... I mean... Hey, if he's gay, that's fine. But nothing in this movie is pointing at the fact that, uh, you know, that Sam is gay. So it's like, it's, it's, so... it's weird. It, I don't know. It's like, I never had men men's posters on my wall. <laughs> Nostalgia Critic had a really good joke about it, talking about how the dad gives him a stuffed beaver to put in his room and the that there is a symbolism of sam grabbing a stuffed beaver throwing it into it back into the closet <laughs> which then reveals a poster of rob Lowe's sexy ass well it's funny too because it also for some reason it makes me think of that like rob Lowe meme from like <laughs> from from the NFC Championship, I think he was at a 49ers game, the the NFC Championship, and it wasn't he wasn't that the game where he was wearing like the NFL logo yeah. hat? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it, it's so fucking random that he was just there wearing NFL, and uh-huh. like it's like that's what this poster feels like. It just like it has no reason to be there. It's <laughs> just okay. there. It's just we love Rob Lowe in this house. <laughs> 
Yeah, clearly, clearly this house loved Rob Lowe. So, you know, whatever. Shout out to Rob Lowe. He's still making stuff. So, yep. <laughs> I see you, Chris Traeger. You do your thing. <laughs> so, anyway, while Sam is bathing, uh, Michael. <laughs> Michael approaches him in the bathroom and apparently like the dog is in the bathroom while Sam bathes and then Nanook the dog gets very uh, defensive and starts getting very aggressive towards Michael for the rest of the film but this part (laughs) the scene where the dog flies through the air (laughs) to try to rip Michael's throat out i don't know why <laughs> it is fucking hilarious that dog chose violence like i love nanook nanook doesn't give a shit nanook's just fighting all these freaking vampires without even thinking about it so we get the scene where it's like the they have the big like full body mirror that every household is known to have down in the like you know in the in the first floor of their homes where i mean we, my kitchen has a full body mirror so. yeah, but, oh actually yeah good point <laughs> so i'm not gonna talk about weird shit that like in people's houses <laughs> i'm gonna talk about weird shit in people's houses <laughs> but yeah like they, you know we see michael's like half transparent and like sam is putting his hand through like michael's body <laughs> And then, uh, so pretty much this is what leads uh, Sam to understanding that Michael's a vampire or becoming a vampire. And of course, you know, like, does he handle this in a way where it's like, don't worry, older brother, I'll help you no matter what. No, 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 that's too mature for Sam. Sam just immediately starts saying, you're a shit sucking vampire and I'm going to tell mom. (laughs) And I was like, Jesus Christ, this kid is like, he once it feels like, like it feels four. like it feels like Elliot and his brother from ET. <laughs> it's if like they're not the same age apart and different, like it's not the same age difference. So yeah, it's weird. It's weird that Sam is being played like he's a much younger kid. <laughs> or at least yeah. in the script, it feels like he's supposed to be a younger kid. Yeah. Instead of being like, you know, instead of actually wanting to help his brother, he just feels like he wants to get his brother in trouble all the goddamn time. Mom said you can't be a vampire. I'm going to tell. Well, he does kind of, I mean, he does seem to care about his brother as well, because once he discovers what's going on, mm-hmm. that's when he does decide to go to the Frog Brothers. But, you know, funny enough, it's like th- this movie kind of breaks up to like Sam and the Frog Brothers, like trying to put together their plan to hunt these vampires and then at the same time, it's like Michael like is sleeping all day, you know, because now he's becoming a vampire. He's sleeping all day. And then at night is when he goes out to hang out at the boardwalk all the time. And that's when he goes and does vampire shit. Yeah, with his vampire I think, friends. I think that was the night that um that the mom goes on her date with Max, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. It was. So and, that's like the part where Michael is like floating because he can't control his flying powers. Mm-hmm. So it's like he has to hold on to the he's holding on to the phone. <laughs> well, the other thing too is that he also has to be led back into the house. <laughs> oh, that's Sam. right. So yeah. it's like that's why he goes up to Sam's window and then Sam like decides to let him in. Yeah, because you gotta let the right one in. Which is, you know, it, it really is it, it's I feel like it, it's focused on more now because of let the right one in. 
Mm-hmm. But it's like a thing that you forget about the fact that vampire lore like requires like you letting them in. <laughs> and it's really interesting because only certain and movies me, do that. And it's like it, it's the ones that you forget about. Like Fright Night does the does the rule. This the, movie does the rule. The one that does it that like it gives me oh my god. I saw it as a kid and it gave me fucking nightmares. And even to this day, it's probably one of the scariest scenes like in movies to me is that 70s adaptation of Salem's Lot. Mm -hmm. And you need to, I implore anyone who hasn't seen it, go watch the clip on YouTube if you're not interested in the movie because it is like a miniseries. Isn't it like three fucking hours? (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't want to watch the whole thing, just go on YouTube and search for... um, you know Salem's Lot and see the scene of like the vampires like coming up to the kids window it is fucking frightening <laughs> yeah that sounds creepy I'm gonna watch it right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah well this is I guess you know so Sam lets Michael in he promises that he's gonna help him not you know be a not become a full vampire <laughs> and then at the same time it's like Michael's trying to help Star and who's the little kid's name? God, what's the kid's name? Laddie. Laddie. Laddie and Star. He wants to help them not become vampires. <laughs> Let me help you not become a vampire star with my penis. Yeah. You know what's funny about this? And my wife brought, I think my wife is the one who brought it up. <laughs> but the sex scene in this is very like, room-esque. Yes. I feel like Tommy Wiseau like, watched <laughs> this movie and like this movie is what he thought all sex scenes should be <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna make big hollywood movie with big hollywood sexy <laughs> and i look and then... just like jason patrick in this movie <laughs> <laughs> they do have similar cheek structure <laughs> yeah but tommy why so it's like his face is unfortunate to say the least <laughs> <laughs> I love the editing during the sex scene because you got that creepy like choir song. Well, the song is weird because the song is called Cry Little Sister and it sounds like an incest song. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And then you got weird you got it interspersed with like weird cuts of like flying through the sky. <laughs> flying through the sky and bed with lace everywhere. You know what though? This movie really doesn't make being a half vampire that bad though, because like no. you still have the power to fly. You just force yourself not to drink blood, but you can. I'm assuming you probably still age normally. But it's like I'd love to do. If I'd love for us to just do an episode one time of vampires on film, because I mm-hmm. really think it is one of those ripe like just for adaptation like things you know because we can talk about it like you know again let the right one in talk probably deals more with like the tragedy and the misery and the sorrow of being like stuck as a vampire forever and then, um, from dust till dawn which shows you the <laughs> mm-hmm. sexy side i guess and then you have like the prog rock uh 90s rave style of vampire from like blade from the blade movies from the 90s (laughs) which i also recently watched and god god damn it does that like those those blade one and two are like maybe some of my favorite comic book movies ever (laughs) i know blade does not get the love it deserves tbh no it will it will when when they finally get this marvel blade movie off the ground i can't wait to go back to the blade movies
<laughs> you're just sitting there like almost time to unleash this on the world again. Polishing a shotgun like <laughs> just wearing your wearing your black duster and your shades. Uh, yes. Oh, oh right. man. So anyway, after after the sex gets made by Star and Michael. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, Sam figures out that Michael, because he hasn't made his first kill, which I think uh, you you alluded to earlier, how people half vampires don't become full until they've made mm-hmm. that kill. Um, pretty much the plan is to keep Michael from killing anybody so that they can uh, reverse his uh, his current condition by killing the head vampire. So the Frog Brothers and Sam start uh, wondering who it could possibly be. They narrow it down to either David or Max. Yeah, so that, that was the dinner date scene. So that takes us to the dinner date where um, where Max's mom, I'm sorry, not Max's mom, uh, Sam's mom ends up inviting Max over to the house for a pasta dinner. And, you know, because... Um, you know the 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 frog brothers uh get invited by sam so the boys are pretty much trying to put him through some tests to see if he passes to see if he's a true vampire so they do a couple things like they end up putting making him put a shit ton of garlic in his food which ends up you know of course if you put a like you know a half cup of garlic on anything you're going to react to and get sick about <laughs> they end up spilling like holy water on him to see if he burns and nothing happens it's really goofy it's actually played up for laps so they like turn off the lights and put a mirror in front of him so when they turn it on um he you know they can see if he has a reflection or not um to which max takes all this as like a kind of a cry for help or kind of acting out um max assuring sam that he doesn't want to take his mom away from him and that he's not trying to replace his dad that he just wants to make his mom happy you know at the end of this scene max ends up telling lucy that you know he wants to give her another shot uh that boys just all you know all boys need a mother like her that's just going to you know instill discipline and uh you know he wants to make it work with her so they agree to go on another date um let me see so the next day um the sam and the frog brothers take michael uh back to the vampire lair so that they can save um oh no wait 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 wait. i'm i'm tripping this is a huge part of uh, a huge turning point for michael so while the the test is going on back at his house um David and the rest of the vampire gang end up taking Michael to kind of like this beach bonfire and arguably was one of the best scenes in the movie, even though it's so quick, the way it's filmed is very quick cut. Pretty much they take uh, Michael to get his first kill and they, you know, crash this bonfire killing like the four guys that are drinking and partying. But it's like the, you know, you get some snippets of the gore where you see like, Alex Winter is like, you know, rip a kid's arm off. And then you have like Kiefer Sutherland just biting into a dude's head. Like, <laughs> and you have like one dude rip, getting his scalp ripped off. Like it's super gory, but and it's all set to uh, Aerosmith and run DMC. So it's like, it's a very like frenetic scene. I really like it. I love it. It really is. Film. It's so fucking wild. Like it's, it, it's, 
like I, I didn't realize it was the it was the Run DMC version of that song <laughs> that played. It's it it's cool. It's so like eighties to me, <laughs> right? Like it adds a layer to have this such a like a song we associate with partying and good times while we're watching these people get ripped apart. And you know they do a really good job of using less is more because it's like you you just get a like oh a quick one two second shot of what a vampire is doing to somebody and you're just like is he doing what like it really does freak you out which this ends up shaking Michael um and and he refuses to kill uh, he ends up actually going back home and he he resolves to saving Star and Laddie so that way they don't get forced to become vampires themselves uh so the next day michael the frog brothers and sam end up uh going they they tool up they grab a bunch of weapons um including like you know like i think some steaks and things <laughs> like they're just going whatever they know from comic books and they go go down into the lair um the freaking one-liners from Corey feldman are so fantastic in this like i love the part where he looks at mike when he goes if you start he goes if you start vamping out in there i want you to know i have zero problems staking you myself and then he like repels down i was just like jesus christ this kid is way ahead of his time with how good he is so as they get down michael is able to find star and uh and laddie and they're able to get and he's able to get them out uh back into their car and then so uh the frog brothers want to take advantage of the sunlight to try to kill as many of the uh vampires as they can during the daylight so but as they look around they don't find where the guys are sleeping they assume that they're supposed to be sleeping in coffins like traditional vampires until one of them looks up and we we see that all the vampires are actually hanging from the ceiling like actual bats which i freaking loved i thought that was so like unexpected and so different from regular vampire lore that i'm like yeah i'm cool with that that works that's so rad and as they climb up they end up they deciding on on uh on staking the the smaller the vampires and as they stake him he screams waking up the rest which causes a mad dash for our heroes to try to escape um david ends up grabbing sam's leg as he's trying to climb out through one of the holes they manage to pull uh sam into the sunlight which ends up burning david's hand and as he like you know um falls back to the cave he uh declares that he's gonna attack him that night so you know this is like all just setting the tone for our final confrontation um I believe uh, that Lucy's supposed to be on another date with Max that night. So as she, so she's out of the house, the grandpa, who knows wherever he is, he just kind of comes and goes out of these kids' lives. But, you know, during this time we see them prepare, the kids end up stealing a bunch of holy water from a church, uh, which they then fill water guns with. Um, They end up getting a, a, a bow and arrow like a longbow so that they can use and they have like stakes and they set up trap you know try to like home alone the house so that way uh the vampires can't get in uh and you know then we get our with our confrontation right and now i don't care i do not care about the rule being broken i know i said earlier that this movie establishes its own rules and follows it but the scene 
the scene when the vampire flies in through the chimney even though he wasn't allowed into the house i don't know why <laughs> it get it makes me laugh <laughs> and then Corey feldman i think says something like we just got attacked by a grandpa monster or some shit like that mm-hmm. <laughs> But you know, you got you got scenes where everyone starts fighting fighting uh fighting the vampires off. You have um you have the frog brothers fighting the vampire in the in the second floor where they try to uh you know they try to like throw garlic at him and it does nothing, but then they, they shoot him with the water the holy water guns, which then starts melting him, so they just throw the guy and, and like drown him in a the bathtub full of holy water. Which for some reason causes like blood to shoot out of all the sinks and toilets in the house. Won't question it. Looks awesome. <laughs> looks got co- oh no, it looks great. I thought it was great. Like, but I'm you know, it's still That's gross. Shit. It's like one of those things where you're like, Yeah, this house is never gonna be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> you have this you, and then you have um Is it weird? It's like a sign of being an adult, like that I get so <laughs> that like plumbing problems cause me anxiety when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> you're just like, that's not oh like you, you just see this fucking like toilet just shoot out a bunch of blood at all these kids and you're They're like, like uh, Oh, that's gonna cause so much floor damage. And you're like going with the water damage. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> we're old. We're yeah. old as fuck if that's what we're worried about. I know. Oh man, you see, uh there's a part where Sam ends up killing one of the vampires by shooting him with an arrow right through <laughs> he shoots him with an arrow, which then hits the stereo behind him. Which causes him to electrocute as he is being staked by the arrow, which then causes him to explode. <laughs> and then Sam gives us the great line of death by stereo. And then finally, uh, the final confrontation between Michael and uh, David, where they just kind of, if you think you're going to see an awesome one-on-one duel, like Blade and Deacon Frost and Blade, no, that's not exactly what they happen. They just kind of like jump at each other a lot. <laughs> and they try to throw each other into like this like the the grandpa has a bunch of taxidermy deer heads all over the house so they're like pretty much just trying to impale each other on the deer heads until finally michael overpowers david and like kicks him and throws him into the in the onto the antlers staking him um however we find out that uh after killing david uh star michael and laddie still feel the exact same so they still haven't changed um or reverted back to the human form which tells us that david wasn't actually the the head vampire um and, pre- and what we learn is as lucy and max come home um max essentially reveals that he was actually the head vampire and that his whole evil plan was to have michael turned into a vampire we'll have both michael and sam turn into vampires which then would force uh lucy to kind of join his family and become the mother to the quote-unquote lost boys that he's kind of collected um and then as everyone tries to attack um everyone tries to attack max he overpowers everybody and essentially threatens Sam threatens to turn Sam into a vampire or kill Sam in front of Lucy unless she agrees. Uh, And as she comes closer, um, 
you know, or Max ends up grabbing her, and it's like as he's about to turn her into a vampire, we have our good old grandpa crashing his Jeep <laughs> into the house, which then fl- he had a bunch of who just happened to have a bunch of fence posts like on his car. You know, one of them goes flying, impales Max, and sends him flying into the fireplace, which then blows. <laughs> <laughs> just one of the most over-the-top horror movie deaths and i loved every minute of it it's so crazy because like the ending of this movie feels like a completely different movie <laughs> it's like when it goes full action it feels more goonies it feels more sci-fi <laughs> and i i don't I, complain about that no no i was gonna say i actually love when a movie's able to do that and it does it well yeah, like there's movies that are very genre bending, and like I think Ten Cloverfield Lane is a really good example of a movie. The shifts of tone. The yeah, you shift your tone. Now, some people argue that Ten Cloverfield Lane kind of like like fumbles the ball there, and that it's too jarring. I personally thought it was great. I also mm-hmm. choose to overlook a lot of it because fucking John Goodman is absolute gold in that film. <laughs> Um, but I feel like this movie, I feel Lost Boys handles it so well to go from like a grounded um, take on a teen movie, like a creepy teen movie to all of a sudden balls to the wall action. And you don't question it. You're like, no, this makes perfect sense for some fucking reason. <laughs> and my be- my favorite part, best line of the film has to go to grandpa who at the end just kind of stands up and goes, you know, the worst part about living in Santa Carla for 30 years is all the damn vampires. And, it, and the movie ends with Sam, Michael, and Lucy looking at Grandpa just be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And the movie fades to black and ends with people are strange playing over our credits and that's the Lost Boys. So, there is a lot of shit that happens in this film. A lot of cool shit, a lot of weird shit. So I think the only thing is with our closing thoughts, Angel, did you like The Lost Boys? Yeah, I mean, I liked it when I saw it, you know, before, and I definitely enjoyed it. Now, I enjoy the fact that it's a short movie, an hour and a half, it flies by. And part of the reason why the discussion that we've had, maybe the episode is long, but the discussion that we've had on the actual plot is short because it is quick, it is streamlined. You get what the characters are about. It's a really good short movie. And um, I hadn't watched it in a few years. So it was nice to be able to revisit it for this show. And I definitely enjoy it. And for for besides the what the movie's about, the actors that are in it is just, again, we've talked a lot about the location as well. It's to me, it's just one of those really cool, you know, it's not like my favorite movie of all time or anything like that. It's just one of those really awesome movies that I'll always enjoy whenever it's on. You know what? I I like this movie. I think this is a very fun movie. I don't think it does anything where it doesn't reinvent the the the, the vampire genre. Also, I mean, how many vampire movies were out by the time this movie came out? But I mean, re- really what it was, it was just a fun, it's a fun romp, you know, it's got a lot of things, it's got a lot of, you know, it has horror elements, it has comedy elements, the end is your action scenes, <laughs> there's a lot going on in this film, and I feel like there's enough for everybody here, um, I feel that, like, there's a reason this movie has a cult classic, there is a cult classic, there's a reason why people are 
still talking to this about this movie you know almost 35 years later <laughs> like it's it's just a it's a fun movie it does a really good job you got some really good acting performances whether it's from uh cory feldman stealing the show as well, i forget which one i think he's edgar frog um you got Kiefer sutherland just doing a great job being this like brooding creepy sexy vampire dude um you know it's got it's it i i like this movie it, i'm not gonna lie it for some reason it takes me a while to get into it and i i can never tell you why but up until because i've tried watching this movie in the past and i never get past the 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 maggot scene something happens it's not that i lose interest it's just i don't know something comes up so finally to be able to kind of sit down and focus and dedicate some time to this movie um, felt really cool being able to watch it. Like you said, it's a real quick watch, which is really good. Um, yeah, it's just a fun movie you put on. It's not, you know, and it, it might be, it might not be on anyone's like top 10 list, but it's definitely gonna, uh, never a bad time when you do watch it. And yeah, that's pretty much my, my thoughts on the Lost Boys. So we'd like to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the show. And uh, I am so freaking excited because next week we get to talk about Jackie Brown, the 1997 Quentin Tarantino movie. My favorite Tarantino movie of all time. One of my favorite movies of all time. And if you're just ready for me to suck a movie's dick for like an hour plus, that's what's going to happen next week. Yeah, so this is already painting my experience. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I can't wait. Like, it'll be fun to talk about, you know, who someone we both stand in both of our households, good old Miss Pam Greer. (laughs) Yes. So, and also just, you know, it gives me a nice excuse to watch some black exploitation as well um, leading up to that. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to watch Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Um, so yeah, please continue to interact with us on social media and, uh, please continue to, or, you know, please leave us reviews or ratings on iTunes on the Apple podcast app so that we can, you know, up our visibility and, uh, just continue to follow us as we inch closer and closer to episode 100. So, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode and we'll talk to you guys next time. Later, yo. Bang, bang.